Welcome to Something Strange is Brewing on New England's News and Talk Radio, 830 WCRN. Now, here's your hosts for Something Strange is Brewing, Brian and Matt. Welcome to Something Strange is Brewing. I'm Matt. And I'm Brian from and, Strange Brew. And Brian from Strange Brew. <laughs> We're down here with Russ at Barrel House Z. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah. So tell us about Barrel House Z. Where did this project come from? Start at the beginning, I guess. It's a, that's a long story. I'm glad you asked that first. <laughs> um, so back uh, in the late 80s, after we had, after we had just started Harpoon, the, uh, the inception of the sort of barrel-aging beers came with uh, Jack Daniels approaching us in a very early part of our, uh, it's 1989, I think, um, to see if we might be interested in aging our beer in Jack Daniels barrels because they, they had a barrel problem. And I said, sure, let's give it a shot. So we took 20 other barrels. We put it on our floor of the warehouse at 306 Northern. And uh, beer came out. It was awesome. And Rich Doyle and Dan Canary and I looked at each other and said, nobody's going to buy this. This is 1989. (laughs) We were having trouble just trying to get people to understand what the difference between an ale and a beer was at that point. That's how how much the craft beer industry was in its infancy in in the late 80s, especially here in New England. And so... um, I kind of put that away uh, for a while. Um, left Harpoon in 1992. I, I, it was a long, long slog first year, uh, first six years of, of the, of the brewery, of brewery's development, and uh, got married during that period. Started having kids, and you know we were working crazy hours for very little pay. It was time for me to move on, uh, so I got my MBA. That's when I met Todd Mott. <laughs> <laughs> Todd came in in '91. We overlapped by about a year, and. I left in 92, and um, I went on to build a bunch of breweries for um, as a brewery engineer and sales representative for J.B. Northwest, which is one of the larger craft brewery um, producers, uh, you know, in the in, in the country now. Um, at the time, they were still pretty small. Um, so I built close to, I, I actually lost count in the 90s how many breweries I, I designed and built and started up on other people's behalf, but it was all east of the Mississippi, a little, couple of them north of the border, and the last project that did was south of the border. Then somewhere along the way, I got involved with a, uh, uh, in the late 90s, I started thinking about something I had started off with as an undergrad, which is a little bit of a technology geek. Um, and I got involved with a company that wanted to um, produce uh, fuel ethanol, uh, biofuels, uh, from wood waste and, and grasses. Hmm. Um, I ended up, going to work for them they recapitalized and restructured the company in the early 2000s and got into the industrial biotech world as a, a technology manager um, for a company that eventually got bought by BP British Petroleum <laughs> and um, I worked for and that was in 2010 we got when we got acquired um, I've seen a lot of traveling and this is a long-winded way of saying every time I went to the airport I ended up going in Starting, uh, I called on, um, called in on some people I'd introduced myself to called uh, 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 Will and Dave Willis, and they're the guys who started the Bully Boy Distillery in Roxbury. And we it turned into a pretty. So that's uh, why we see so many Bully Boy barrels around right. here. Yeah, sure. that's right. Yeah, this isn't just a collaboration. This is a this is a lifelong friendship, really. Yeah, I mean, yeah. This is yeah. And so we started to talk about how we might collaborate, and it started off with they wanted to take some of my old beer recipes and make malt whiskeys out of them. And then as we started to talk, 
I said, you know, why don't we start thinking about the Jack Daniels project, you know, way back when. And I said, why don't we take some of my old beer recipes and just age them in your beer barrel, and your whiskey barrel. Big beer barrel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And they said, yeah, that sounds great. Um, so um, near 2014, when energy prices collapsed, uh, BP was, we went from a long-term strategic asset um, <laughs> quote unquote, <laughs> to a uh, non-performing uh, non-performing operating entity almost overnight, and um, they shut our business down. And so um, I had been sort of cooking up this side business on the side um, during this whole period. And when this came along, I said, you know, maybe it's time for me to get back into the beer business, get off the plane, do something very local, and um, lived in the South Shore since the early '90s. And so. That's how Barrel House got started. So put together a business plan. Um, Bully Boy and Harpoon both provided some seed capital. Became my um, at the time my you know my major partners. Um, we went out raised some more money to build this place, and so now they're my my, my minority minority partners. Um, but uh, it uh, it's you know two years later this is where we are. The place looks fantastic, by the way. Thanks. I mean, if anybody who hasn't been here, you have to check it out. I mean, there are barrels. Everywhere. And I don't know why it was such a surprise to me, but everything is made out of barrels. <laughs> it's neat. I mean, it's got a like a like a farmstead appeal to it of working with what you have available and around, and, and you know building a life out of that. And that's it's a real neat dynamic to see everywhere you look in here. The barrels are being repurposed. They're being used for one thing or another. That still seems to really harken back to the barreling that's happening on the other side of the glass. Absolutely. Absolutely. What do you think is your most unique repurposing of a barrel? Or the most exciting repurposing of a barrel, you'd say? Um, the giant Jenga set cart. Ah, yes. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. Um, no, in all seriousness, I think our Adirondack chairs, um, which are outside on the in the beer garden. Those look comfortable. Those mm. are all made out of uh, barrel stamps. Might end up napping. How, yeah, how many afternoons have you spent days? napping in those chairs? They look like chairs that you could just zonk out in for eight hours at a time. Do I look like I get much sleep? <laughs> <laughs> you have to rouse up the customers. Like, All right, sir, tap room's closed. Speaking of tap room hours, what are the tap room hours? So Wednesday, Thursday, uh, 4 to 9. Friday, Saturday, uh, noon to 10. And then Sunday, noon to 8. Um, we are open as well, though, on uh, for private uh, either corporate or fundraising events on Tuesday nights and we are starting something off um, we just started this week uh, called Beer School Beer School is um, probably going probably to turn into a two part series instead of a one part series because um, we found there's a lot of interaction involved you know, we start off with sort of the, the orange, origins of beer in history mm -hmm. um, all the way through how beer is made and flavor profiling etc and I think it's easy, easily done in, in two parts instead of one how does one get into beer school? You show up with twenty dollars. Show up with twenty dollars, and <laughs> when does it happen? Yeah. Boy, that's a, it. Could be the best twenty dollars. Twenty-one plus spend. license, yeah. of course. And of course, yeah. <laughs> um, it's uh, Monday nights at six thirty. Monday nights at six thirty. And we'll probably we just started it, so it's probably going to be the next one. Might not be for another month. So, so pay attention to maybe the website and get some info on that. Where website we can find out about that. You find us at www.barrelhousey.net. Um, or um, on Facebook, Instagram, and, and Twitter. What, what would you say is the most active place where we can find out? Do you have a current tap list available? Where would be the best place to go? For content like that, Facebook. Okay. Um, but the website has our calendar of events moving forward you know, a month at a time as well. It also has a, our beer locator, which is Google Map 
paste so you could just you could drill into it in any town where you're at if there's a little dot and you click on it you click through and it'll tell you exactly which package store there's restaurant a lot of package stores that have it how yeah about, how uh, far how is your restaurants reach? do you have uh, there are a lot of local restaurants we have a lot on tap we you know we've been we just opened and got fully operational i'd say really in the fall in september but we've been fortunate enough to attract the attention of um of enough wholesalers to cover the entire state as of last week oh, in rhode island and rhode island well that's good news for week. everybody out there then yeah yeah, so we just opened up Western Mass in Rhode Island last week. Oh. Yeah, and that's all in just under a year. Yes. Wow. Yeah. That's that's astounding. I mean, that's some serious reach. Yeah, yeah. You think? <laughs> that's, has it been hard growing at that speed? Yes, very yeah. much, very much. We, um, you know, you get two businesses really here. You have a a, t- a tap room, which is a business in and of itself, and then you have more what I call the, the traditional wholesaling business. We started off self-distributing, and we decided that to grow the way we wanted to grow, it was going to be a far more expedient uh, way to grow in a shorter period of time, probably spend as much money and take much longer to do it from a self-distribution point of view. It flies in the face a little bit with what I see a lot of newer breweries doing right now. A lot of guys are just doing self-distribution. But I'm well, kind I can of imagine a, with your prestigious brewing history, you might have had a little easier time getting distribution than some people who have haven't been at it since the 80s, I guess we'll say. Yeah, you know, maybe. Sometimes it pays to be, you know, old and bald. Yeah, I've drank that. <laughs> I've had a lot of your beers, but they've all been uh, fantastic so far. Gray eyebrows. Gravitas. Instant gravitas. When you set up shop here, did you expect it to explode like this and have all of these barrels? Man, I always swing for the fences. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think you could be a, a, a successful entrepreneur and not set high expectations for yourself. It's got to be, I mean, it's got to be really rewarding to see that in just under a year, you've got such expansion. I mean, since we've been here, there have been people coming right up to the doors, just checking to see if you're open yet, you know, and that's been really exciting to see as well. I mean, that's that's got to be a lot of fun. Almost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so almost there, almost, almost there. And yeah. you're, you're tucked right into this industrial park here? Yep. Yep. It's a little bit of a place that we often get the comment, um, boy, I thought I was, I was lost. <laughs> Uh, just so you're about to give up, you see the barrels. You see the barrels. That's exactly <laughs> right. We hear that all the time. Just, you know, you're like you're going into this, especially at night, going into this dark street, lots of potholes in an industrial park, and all of a sudden you see the barrels. But give it a couple of years from now, the barrels will have stretched down the street. You'll be selling them <laughs> to your neighbors. You'll be everybody. Oh, you guys could use some planters, too. Uh, yeah, exactly. You'd be like Barrel House Z neighborhood. <laughs> we hope so. All right. Well, speaking of the neighborhood, we're, uh, we're going to stick around in the neighborhood, and you should stick around, too. We'll be right back with a little more something strange is brewing. Stay tuned. Something Strange is Brewing continues on News and Talk Radio 830 WCRN. Once again, here's your hosts, Brian and Matt. Welcome back to Something Strange is Brewing. We're hanging out down here at Barrel House Z, and uh, we are drinking what could be the smoothest, easy-drinking stout. <laughs> tell us about this beer, and tell us about your beers. How do you come up with them? What, what's, the, what's the motivation and inspiration behind the beers that you'll find down here? So when we started, I wanted to make sure we always incorporated a barrel as sort of what we refer to as the fifth ingredient, you know, malt hops, yeast, water, and a barrel, right? So even with those four, first four ingredients, right, there's almost an infinite amount of possibilities on how you could create a beer. The barrel introduces like a whole other dimension of possibilities, right? And so 
when I give people the elevator speech about how Barrel House Z approaches beer, I always say we're collaborative. It means we're always working with somebody um, else, and it doesn't have to just be another brewer. It could be a chef. It could be a friend. It could be a home brewer. It could be a restaurant. Um, it could be a, a musician, et cetera, that just has a concept. And um, we're always small batch, and we always lead with the barrel, although not, you know, not all of our beers are, are barreled. And um, when you combine that all together, and I, I think I said to this to you guys earlier, is um, if you want to sort of institutionalize innovation, which is deliberately an oxymoron, um, that's kind of the way you want to do it. Um, I never want to be bored, so that's that's a philosophy for us. None of us want to be bored. We always want to try to like experiment and do something new. It seems like everything you're doing out here is new. I mean, every batch has a different twist or five different versions of it because you have different types of barrels. Right, right. Different ways to approach it. Right. It's, it turns into an ex- educational experience for the folks who end up coming to the brewery. It's a little bit hard. It doesn't, it's harder to translate when you're out in a restaurant because they have a limited number of our beers on the menu. But when you come in here, you've got the full slate of experimental beers, 12 different, 12 different beers on draft at any given time, and a new one being introduced every week. The menu changes every week. You kind of get that experience. And plus, you've got a fantastic staff here who's very knowledgeable about the beers and can tell you about everything that we're doing. I even have a tough time keeping up with it. You do something that I love is is, is serving two different versions of the same beer side by side so people can really see what the difference is. Yeah. um, And and kind of get feel like they're a little more part of the process. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting, um, especially if you're paying attention. Great when you have some time to talk to the sure. bartender or the brewer, in yeah. this case, and get that info. Where you really know what you're doing, why these beers are like the same same origin and are two totally different. Two totally beers. different beers, yeah. Same base beer, two totally two totally different beers because of the barrel. And really, I mean, or that the was, lack of. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> that was you know that was a, a mistake that I made earlier. Was almost. Not trying it, you know. Upon your recommendation to not finish the first one, I'm going to call, then I'm gonna try. call BS on this. Yeah. Matt, almost not trying a beer. No, 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 no. But drinking the whole, uh, the holeity or the completion of the first beer before even trying the second I, one. I saw you slamming it. Yeah, back. I and, didn't stop you. And that was the problem. <laughs> that sunny in '79 is so drinkable. But boy, yeah. it's so drinkable that yeah. I would have missed a whole experience. <laughs> Hadn't you stopped me I, to I, try the other one too? I would have poured you another. That's a, <laughs> <laughs> there's something to be said for just how complex a barrel can cha- make a beer. Do you have a particular barrel that you like more than another? You know, uh, no. Um, <laughs> we're we're constantly experimenting and exploring, and sometimes even the same types of barrels come in more wet mm-hmm. or more dry, um, or they might be the same type of style. You know, my, a rum barrel is not a, always a rum barrel. Depending upon where the rum barrel came from, it, uh, the origin of it, it's two different flavor profiles. And um, it's been interesting for me to be able to, exp- I, I'm not much of a, I had not been much of a rum, rum drinker, but I've been able to expand my palate of rums uh, pretty, pretty dramatically in the last year since we've been open just because of the, the way we're approaching our beers and uh, having different types of rum brows around. So now this poses my, my next kind of off the cuff thought. If you're out and about on any given night and you find yourself uh, having, having somebody else's finely distilled spirit, do you find yourself saying, boy, this would go great with pick a style? Absolutely. Do you find that it's a help or a hindrance to daily life to, to, to be thinking that like that all the time? Oh, this is, this is fun. Yeah, yeah. This is a pleasure to be thinking about those it's sorts of things. Always a beer chaser, right? Yeah. That way you really see what well <laughs> yeah. plays together nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
That is fun. It's a and and there are a lot of barrels back there too. Do do you see an, an end in sight where you'll say, you know what? I think we might just take a break from this type of barrel for a while, or are you just going to keep bringing them back in on different levels because they are so different? No, um, I think you got to listen to what the what your customers want as well. And so when we did our inaugural beer last year, Sunny in '79, uh, a ginned pilsner. Mm-hmm. Which is you know gin, is spiced with dry spiced with uh, uh, gin botanicals and um, and barrel aged. Um, it was August um, when we started making the beer. It was a technical challenge to come out with a summer beer that was barreled, and so we came out with this. We put in this tequila barrel, and it's something that was just kind of magical. People just tequila loved. says summertime. My wife Mary always says that it was it's all her favorite summer drinks of wine. <laughs> right and it's it's kind of the truth so we um but what we found was the demand was so strong for it i thought it was going to we were going to roll right into sort of the next sort of seasonal release plan which would be uh we came out with towny strong irish ale after that which was aged in uh rum barrels uh we came out with red rye number 23 which is a throwback to my harpoon days um and we then came out with adlin after that and i thought it was going to be um, sort of more like a, a seasonal, you know, limited batch, seasonal release kind of thing. People kept coming back and saying, asking me for Sunny and 79 in the tequila barrels, and I said, I ran out of the tequila barrels. So you have to wait until <laughs> we buy more tequila barrels, which, which was then what brought me to the thought of, well, maybe we ought to offer just that beer um, unbarreled. Since uh, we have none, let's, since, let's, yeah, let's try it. We could try the base beer; is fantastic. So let's give it a shot. And you know, so I started. We started trying to come up with a name with the unaged versions of our beers, and I started coming up with, you know, um, unplugged. Or I came up with naked. As soon as I said naked, my buddy said, you know, my mom calls that in the buff, and I said that's done. I said that's what we're calling. <laughs> it. So all of our unaged beers, um, which are more or less our, our year-round offerings, are, are ITBs or in the buff. So you've got a. Admittedly, somewhat complex code on the cans. <laughs> Could you give us a, a brief rundown of what, what some of these things mean? Um, if you see ITB, it means it's in the buff, um, and that's clearly labeled on the can. Um, it means it's on age. Um, if you see a one, a three, so but on the bottle itself, it's uh, it's either going to be one, three, or six months aged. Um, and sometimes it's just going to say barrel aged because we blend it back sometimes as well. So, so you do a lot of beers that benefit from aging. Benefit from aging, benefit and, from and blending. The six is the six is better than the one, but more, more barrelly potentially. It's, it's just different flavor. Bigger. I try not to use better bigger. when I'm describing. I try to Often. use different, you know, or different flavors. Like with the older it gets, you're going to get more wood component or more char. Uh, more astringency if it becomes more if it stays in the barrel longer than that you're going to start getting more of those oxidative notes which are more reminiscent of sherries and you know ports and, and dessert wines do you find that those age better still the yeah, larger number that was ones actually, that are aged yeah. continue to age better than the ones that are absolutely in the bottle after yeah. it's packaged absolutely so if, it's just like wine if yeah. you're like me and you've got a cabinet at home that you intentionally put beers away and <laughs> prevent yourself from drinking them this is really a great opportunity to, to take one of those beers out of the pack and just yeah the same chemistry, Celery. the same chemistry that works for wine and extended aging in the bottle works for a beer. You know, so in the way they treat it, one of the ways you extend shelf life for for wine is to you know age it in wood. Mm. One of the things that we're doing here. It seems like some of your beers would be the perfect candidate for like those giant bottles. 
yeah. the large giant corked bottles that you really intentionally put away. Yes. Like, and this see that someday? This, yes. This stout, this is uh, this it. is the Adeline stout, and I, I have to believe this is one that, that you just want to take a bottle of and forget about it for five years and just just wait for that moment when it's like, this is it. This is, I'm trapped at home with six feet of snow outside and I'm popping this bottle next to the fire. I'm uh, never that patient. No. <laughs> <laughs> who, is, who is Adeline? So, um, Adeline. 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 Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'll, I'll drink. I'll drink. Uh, <laughs> um, Adeline is uh, Chris Webster, who is the collaborator uh, brewer for, for this beer um, and also uh, works here. Um, that's his two-year-old daughter. Oh, oh, that's great. So this is his baby. It's going to age 19 named more after, years. Named, named <laughs> after his baby. <laughs> that's wild. And, and I mean, it's, it's still, it, this, is a, this beer is 8.8%. I don't know if we've said that on the air, um, but it doesn't hit you like it's 8.8. I mean, this drink's so smooth, and, and there's, there's a little bit of warmth, but not a ton of aggressive burning warmth. Like, this is... Yeah. This is a beer that really is is beautifully done. Smooth Imperial. Yeah. So the geeky the geeky part of that is um, short short term aging mm-hmm. actually favors more of these of the tannins that are shorter or softer mm-hmm. on the palate and it actually provides this mellowness. So there's there's actually a chemistry that's going on there that's very deliberate and the longer it ages the more astringent you're going to get longer bigger and bigger tannins that are less soft that are going to require aging to become soft huh. so barrel time has to be limited if you pick up too much of that or if it stays in the barrel too long it has to stay it has to stay in the bottle longer. longer right it works the same way with wine right? alright well we're going to we're going to take a little bit of time here and then when we come back let's geek out a little bit more and a little bit deeper so stay tuned with Something Strange is Brewing down here in Weymouth at Barrel House Z You're listening to Something Strange is Brewing on New England's News and Talk Radio, 830 WCRN. Once again, here's your hosts, Brian and Matt. And we're back with Something Strange is Brewing down here at Barrel House Z. And uh, right before we, we took that last break, we started to geek out a little bit over how long something should be aged to get softer tannins or harsher tannins that then in turn need to mellow. Um you mentioned during the break that you've got a lot of training in wine. Yeah. How does that translate to the beer side, especially in terms of some of those aging characteristics? Because I know I myself have, have that wonderful cabinet where I put something to forget about it intentionally. Um, how do you best age a beer, um, especially one that's already been aged in a barrel, to really get the best out of it? So it's. I think it's pretty important that you pay attention to how the brewer in this case um, or the winemaker in their in their case how they how they produce the wine or beer in the, in, in the first place because it has everything to do how, with how long you're going to age it um, on the shelf um, if it's a short short rest in a barrel um, like a one month or less you know that's beer you're going to want to drink it's you don't want to necessarily put it on the shelf it's actually going to deteriorate hmm. Um, if it's three months, you know, I wouldn't wait a whole, you know, I wouldn't wait too, too long, but, you know, you could, does, it, does, it does get a little bit of um, extended shelf stability um, as a result. And we have some three-month beers that I would fully expect um, all else being equal to have 
pretty extended shelf life. Well, how much of that do you attribute to the increased alcohol content versus the increased tannins or versus other factors? Yes. <laughs> Some. <laughs> Some. <laughs> all of the above. Yeah, it's A, B, C, D. Yes, all of the above. Um, yeah, all that contributes. You know, so you know, when you're, you're thinking about brewers are really paranoid about shelf stability because um, once it gets out of the brewery, you can put it in the package, you can like give it all the TLC you can possibly give it. And um, when it gets in the package or it gets out in dis- its distribution, you lose control of it. And um, it could go wrong, but you're still, you know, it's still your beer and your reputation at, at, at risk. So if you're trying to quote unquote bulletproof it, you're, you're going to give it a, a rest in a barrel for an extended age. You're going to try and limit absolutely limit the exposure to oxygen. Oxygen is absolutely killer to beer. Um, and you're also going to increase the ABV and you're going to increase the hop level uh, quite a bit because hops have uh, an antiseptic property, property to it. And so um, all those high ABV, high, high IBU, um, lots, of, um, lots of chemistry that keeps oxygen down like tannins um, uh, allows for extended aging. So I'm stacking the deck with some of our older, darker. And the, the, other, the other part is when you see a, a dark beer versus a light beer, um, it already has a form of tannins in it, and those are all flavor components from the malts. So the darker beers are more naturally shelf-stable shelf stable anyway, mm. um, just like red wines. And aged red wines versus non-aged red wines, and same thing with whites, uh, white wines and aged whites. So you mentioned hops. Do you use hops here at Barrel? <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot of, I don't see. You certainly, you don't walk we, in. You don't hit with like eight different IPAs off the off the top. Yeah, yeah. Some of that is deliberate. You know, there's a bunch of amazing IPAs in the market right now. You know, I'm not. I'm old enough to know that. You know, to have, uh, to brew the one of the originals. <laughs> I'm, old enough to, I'm old enough to know that. You know, making great beer is is first and foremost. You know, table stakes and. The, the game of uh, brewing the beer, beer business and um, but the second thing is having a different product you know being able to differentiate yourself in a way that nobody else is doing it is really important so great beer product differentiation you know why would I, why am I going to come out even though we're completely capable of making awesome IPAs and we we will make them but only offer them here in the taste room um, yet another reason to come out here to Weymouth <laughs> It's it's kind of deliberate, you know, but we do get people walking in the door going, you know, what's your best IPA? That usually turns into a kind of an interesting conversation that either sticks or doesn't. You know, some people just want their IPA. You do realize where you are. Yeah. You realize what you came here for. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, and we, can, we can provide that for yeah. you, but you might want to try some of the, quote, local flavor. Yeah. Uh, that is... The, the points of differentiation. And that's exactly how the conversation down. goes, yeah. If, we, it's, if it's going to be an IPA here, it's going to be a barrel-aged IPA. Right, and that's going, to change, that's going to change the flavor. So if we had an ITB IPA next to a barreled IPA, the chemistry of the tannins and the, and the polyphenols in the, that, in the wood actually complex with the uh, bitterness components and the aromatic components from the hops. It actually dampens it, kind of mellows it out a little bit, so the overall effect is you come up with this smoother, uh, less, less aggressively bitter, 
um, less hoppily aromatic beer. It's still there, but it's just kind of masked a little bit. So in that regard, it almost becomes more of the, the traditional British approach to an IPA. Of exactly. This was shipbound. There was there was never an intent for this to, to have that unnaturally resinous, aggressive, hoppy character that has become the modern IPA, although the modern IPA is now... Nothing New like England, yeah, yeah, nothing like that at all. It's nothing like that at all. Soft and juicy and mouthfeel and everything. It's kind of ironic. Yeah. <laughs> when, when you look at, I mean, having come from, you know, the precursor to the the archetypal and classic IPA of Harpoon, when you look at the way that that style has evolved, um, do you think the IPA is sustainable in that regard, where it's it's gone from being you know, the, the harpoon to the heady topper to now the, the treehouse. And, and you see this this kind of evolution of the IPA. Will it continue, do you think? Or, or is it going to reach a point where people are hopped out? No, I don't think that's the case at all. I no? think there's, there's going to be a, there's a market for anything. Um, and I think the IPA category, unfortunately, has become known synonymous with so many variations on that style. It's, mm. it's, I, I find it... A little frustrating only in that you put a label to something and people have an expectation depending upon where they're what IPA that they have Mm -hmm. right and so it could have been a black IPA or a white IPA or aggressively you know 90 minute you know IPA or something like that and then you have your own IPA and it's not their IPA. Well, mm. we mostly, <laughs> mostly topped out early on with, yeah. okay, from IPA to double IPA to yeah. triple IPA. So yeah. it gets stronger, it gets hoppier, it gets more alcohol. Boom, you hit the wall at some point, it can no longer be an IPA. Now suddenly it's a hoppy barley wine. So then it comes back and it tries to explore some other characteristics of the hop, where it's not yeah. just, it could still be a hop bomb, yeah. but it's not a yeah. bitter it's, your face off kind it's of It's not beer. an IPA. Uh, and it's a, it, yeah, it breaks else. the style guidelines. Yeah, and, and that's that was, and that's okay. Yeah, and my feeling is, just don't call it. It's it could if you like the beer, it doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter what you call it. Mm. But that's not the way most people are wired. They they most people most consumers need that initial cue to get them attracted to try it in the first place, mm. right? And, and it's something they can tie it to. Even if it's, if it's a fusion it. of two flavors, tell me which two flavors it's right. a fusion of. Right. Um, otherwise, I, I can't ground it to anything. And yes, right. It's, right. It's, it's all ingredients, but yeah. what do I... If I don't know what I'm drinking, sometimes it's tougher. You don't know what your expectations are. I mean, I'd like it, but... What is know, it? Like, what, what is it? Yeah. Oh, great. This is a perfect version of that. Thank right. You. Thanks for letting right. me know. But in, yeah. that, in that regard, that almost, I mean, that makes it even more exciting to think of the prospects of putting an IPA back into a barrel. Yep. You know, and really so seeing you, what so that. Back around the world. Yeah, exactly. You know, really getting a chance to see what that would. Turn it back to the original. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it becomes full circle at that point. You get to really see what that wood characteristic and the, and the tannin character could bring. Um, and soften out to those hops, you know. Yeah. I mean, what a neat thing that, yeah. that it's come this far. When and I don't, I can't claim to be an expert in the origins of the IPA. But <laughs> my understanding is it needed to withstand that arduous voyage from the UK to India, and they needed something high in alcohol, well hopped, and barrel aged, and that was a way to preserve the beer mm. for the voyage. Some of these strong beers really actually remarkably travel a whole trip around the sun. <laughs> One year plus with aging, right? Yeah. So that's a good that's that's that's, that's what it means. The that's ultimate yeah, thing. the ultimate barreling experience is a year a year around the sun instead of a year around the world. Sounds so, like a so, name of a beer. So what's your what's your <laughs> biggest beer? 
the biggest one we've done? The biggest one you've done or have maybe sitting back there waiting for... I think that wheat wine we have back there is probably going to end up being a beast. It went in at 9%. And, wow. Um, it'll probably end up... I think it'll be 12 or 13%. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we've done a couple beers. Our, we have a something that had an extended residence time um, in a rum barrel that was pretty wet to start with, and it was towny, mm. strong Irish ale. Yep. Um, the base beer on that was eight and a half percent. Yeah, it's a strong. It's a strong ale, um, and um, it's clocking in at eleven point two right now. Real, real smooth, real drinkable. I get people coming in. They we go over, drop a uh, straw in the yeah. hole there, and yeah. try it out. So here's something to think about over the break. I'll give you a little bit, a bit of time to come up with your answer. It's kind of a personal question. Uh, so answer, <laughs> at your own, uh, answer at your own question. What is the best beer you've ever made? And the worst beer you've ever made? Or your favorite and least favorite? I'll let you phrase that uh, and frame that however you like. Uh, I'll give you a minute to think about it. And we'll be right back with uh, a little more Something Strange is Brewing. Now, Something Strange is Brewing continues on News and Talk Radio 830 WCRN. Once again, here's your hosts, Brian and Matt. Welcome back to Something Strange is Brewing. We're down here in Weymouth with Barrel House Z. Um, Before the break, we posed possibly the hardest question out there. Your favorite beer that you've brewed and your least favorite beer that you've brewed. What can you tell us? You want me to start with the least favorite or the or the? I'd like to I'd like to finish strong. Let's He's good. Okay, let's finish strong. That's, I know I'm drinking right <laughs> in front of me. What was the uh, the phrase from earlier? Hit for the fences. So yeah, let's uh, let's fences. start at first base and aim for the fences. All right. Back in the early days of Harpoon, you know, it's tough business. We were doing everything we could possibly do to. We literally keep the lights on. We wouldn't even buy our own pens. <laughs> we did a lot of things, like we did a lot of house beers for restaurants. And um, restaurant, not to be named because it's still in business, although they're not doing this one product. They, they ended up in our tasting room one day and they had one of our lighter products and they said, can you make a beer for us? And I said, sure, we can make anything for you. We <laughs> um, can do anything. They wanted basically our version of you know, mass-produced, you know, Coors Light or whatever. You know, What's your yeah. lightest beer so we can put our What's name on it? What's your lightest beer so we can put our name on it? So we made it for them. It, we had the account for about three years. Uh, you know, something Strange is Brewing, you can check out these and uh, other radio shows that we've done at uh, any time. My favorite beer uh, happens to flash forward uh, to 2008 when I'd been out of the beer industry for quite some time. And uh, the folks at Harpoon um, asked me to come back and, and be a guest brewer for their 100 Barrel Series. And um, I, at the time, I wanted. I said, you know what? I've always wanted to try is a rye beer. And so we came up with this. We came up with this beer called uh, uh, Old Rusty's Red Rye Ale. You're not old rusty. <laughs> I'm old rusty. You are old rusty. <laughs> <laughs> but at the time, the joke was I had been out of the beer business for so long. I was old and rusty. <laughs> so, That's not for right. the lack of red hair. No, <laughs> it's not for the lack of red hair. So. Um, but it was. I want to get kicked out here. I should be nice. I play old. I play old rusty for this one. So, twenty three was is symbolic. It was the 23rd beer in the hundred barrel series. Oh. Okay. So, it was sold in these half liter bottles, etc. And I always thought it would, what would be kind of cool 
uh, when we started Barrel House Z is to capture a collaboration with the original founders of Barrel House Z, Harpoon and Bully Boy, and do it in a way that is would be with my favorite beer. So Double R23 is Red Rye number 23. Um, going back to Harpoon, 100 Barrel Series, aged in Bully Boy whiskey barrels for three months. And that's what we have here in front of us. It's my favorite beer. It's wonderful. I'm thinking it's great. I'm looking at a few different versions of it right here. Yeah, right. <laughs> i got to catch up. <laughs> the deconstruction and the further collaboration with Main Roots. Yeah, that's the reconstruction. A, we got reconstruction. We did, a, we did another version of the same beer aged one month in uh, Jamaican rum barrels. <clears throat> Jamaican rum tends to be very assertive uh, in the rum world. Um, Jamaican and, be buzzed, that's for yes, sure. exactly These, uh, right. Yeah, so and the, the barrels were pretty wet. Um, so we took a base beer that was about 7.5% and it turned into uh, almost a 10% beer. Wow. Um, as a result, so it's, it comes across now. Um, it's been on the menu all year. It has a great following. People love it. And, but it's a 10.4% beer. When you get some of these barrels in still sloshing around, do you ever just like dump out a little bit of what's left, yes. run it through a coffee, <laughs> yeah. clean it up? And yeah, so that's one way to. Yeah, and sometimes we cool, we, we deliberately cool them down. So we we came up with this, we came up with a an approach to fermenting in a barrel, which we call a fib. So fermented in barrel, um, we um, we actually fill the barrels with hot wort. And we wait for it to cool down before we inoculate it with yeast. And we end up. Do not try this at home because it sits for a couple days at these high temperatures. Things can technically go drastically wrong if it's not treated properly. Well, you can get a spontaneous fermentation out of that, you know, over time as well. So I mean, which you don't want when you have a thousand, when you have uh, that many barrels sitting back there. Not a commercial scale, anyway. Now, when you do that, do you let them cool completely naturally? Do you bring them into a cooling room? Is it just? No. It happens how it happens. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's that's incredible. We don't do a lot of it. I feel like there's probably a lot of tap room only exclusives that come through here. We not only do a lot of tap room exclusives that are only available here and not in the broader market, but we're about to start off something yet to be named. But it'll be um, it'll be like a rare barrel series um, for, for it'll be like a members club kind mm. of thing, which we won't, we won't even offer in here. It'll be like on a closed session. On a you Monday can't night. have it not available kind of beer. It's it's kind of it's like it it'll be kind of fun because it'll be for really for the real real serious beer enthusiasts. We're gonna uh, close off the room for a couple hours then on a Monday night and have the brewers in here talking about the beers. You get to exchange ideas and talk about it, and they'll you know they'll only be available that night. Would you have <laughs> any ideas when this is happening or any events coming up you can share with us? Uh, not quite yet. We're, we're right in the midst of the, con- uh, the conceptual development of it, and, um, but it should be rolling out before the fall. So we have to stay tuned to the uh, Barrel House Z website and Facebook. Uh, yep. Get some more info there. Absolutely. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, looking forward to some fun stuff. And we saw a lot of barrels back there that are sitting. Yeah. So how long does stuff sit? I mean, I know you have one, three, and six months. Do you have anything that's going to be longer? We do. We have a, um, one of the beers, one of our year-round uh, offerings is called Townie Strong Irish Ale. We um, aged that initially for one month in um, in uh, rum barrels that were domestic and also um, a little bit. So we used a couple. We used three or four different types of rum barrels, um, much much more diff- much different than the Jamaican one. Um, they're really smooth. It's a great, fa- it's a fantastic beer. But what we did uh, with a portion of it is we rebarreled it. So we took it out of the rum barrels, 
and then we rebarreled it into whiskey barrels. Oh. And those are being uh, those have been put away now. They're probably eight months old at this point, and we're going to release them uh, closer to the holiday uh, in the uh, after Thanksgiving. So big beer season. Yeah, massive beer season. So how do you how do you, how do you deal with the fact that but barrel aged beers are tend to be thought of uh, often are big beers dark at night darker yeah. <laughs> people tend to we're in the, sitting here in the middle of summer and you have, I mean I kind of know how you deal with it because you have a bunch of uh, summer like beers out there too um, we do a lot of ITBs here in, in the room in, too in the box, in the, keep it in some, the, some, some lighter in, fare in the for the for the warmer for yeah. the warmer months things we like do, that yeah we do um, we're doing some you know we're we've got a whip beer series going on right now. Um, we actually have an IPA series that we're, we're, we're starting to release. Um, these are all in the buff or naked or unaged beers. Yep. Um, and I always tell I people... drink that stout year-round. Oh, know. boy, I, yeah, that no stout question. is... I always tell folks, too, if they want to try a barrel beer that's very approachable, the Sunny and 79 tequila barrel version is a slam dunk. I mean, that's a, that's a very approachable beer. I feel like for a lot of folks, it is really hard to separate the idea that if it went into a barrel... It doesn't have to be as black as burnt motor oil. Right. It can be a nice, light, easy-drinking beer. And I, I feel and like... Nuance. It, and nuance. Yeah, and nuance, yeah. certainly. Yeah. And having drank Sunny in 79, I mean, if that's not a perfect illustration that a barrel beer can be a year-round beer and it doesn't have to be the deepest, darkest day of winter possible, you know, I mean, Barrel House C has clearly illustrated that well and beyond with, with Sunny in 79 alone. You could barrel-age everything and you could drink barrel-aged beer year-round. You could. If it's done right, I'm guessing that you do. And what do you drink? What type of things? Yeah, what's in your fridge at home? You find in your fridge at home. I've been drinking a lot of our Sunny Seventy Nine in the Buff uh, series, you know, uh, this summer. But but the Sunny Seventy Nine Tequila. Do do, do gravitate towards other barrel aged stuff? Do you find a lot of other barrel aged stuff? Um, we do you always. Try, do you try not to? Do you try to try to mix it up and get something different? What's no, it? we have a lot of folks who bring beers in all the time for us to try, and they're always barrel aged, and we have a lot of fun doing that. Different I, for here's another barrel. Yeah, here's, here's something another else to try. And a lot of folks are doing you know farmhouse styles and Belgians and um, sours and all kinds of fun stuff. And I, you know, we we have fun trying all that. So what's coming up next? What's your next innovation? I'm part of the awesome thing about collaborating with other uh, brewers and, and other folks who are innovating is that we never really plan that far ahead. And open to everything. We're sort of open to experimenting on anything and um, you know sometimes we come, people come in with these crazy ideas. Um, guy came in just recently wanted to do a southern brown English style and he wanted to turn it into something that re- was reminiscent of um, of um, spacing, um, the Z got to you, didn't it? Uh, yeah, all right, twenty three. That seventeen seventy five. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's right. That, that's, Excuse me. <laughs> so yeah, he wanted something to come with, was reminiscent of eggnog, and I thought that's kind of crazy. Let's do it. So let's put it in a rum barrel. And nothing too strange. It was nothing, nothing it, too out there. And it turned. It's a killer beer. It's an absolutely killer beer. So I'm, I'm I want to be surprised. Shit, I'm 54 years old. You gotta surprise me every now and then. You're doing pretty good. <laughs> yourself, that's sure. Been doing this a long time. You've been doing a hell of a job of it. I gotta say, here's yeah. to Barrel House Z. Absolutely, great to Barrel House Z. This has been wonderful. Exactly. Thank you so much for having us on the show today and letting us go see the uh, the inner workings of the barrels and the the brewery and uh, it, just everything that's going on here. People, you've got to get down here to Barrel House Z in Weymouth. 
You got to be really excited for the future here. Yeah, some yeah. What a what a great we'll try thing to put one of these away for a little while. We'll see how that works. Absolutely, but for now, unfortunately, we got to put the show away for a little while. Uh, so uh, for Strange Brew, I'm Brian and I'm Matt, and we're here with Russ down at Barrel House Z. And, and we'll- something strange is brewing. Cheers. 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 You've been listening to Something Strange is Brewing on News and Talk Radio 830 WCRN.